Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, the co-founder of Divizio.com, that's D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the affiliate network for companies doing good. And along with Andrea Adams-Miller, the founder of the Red Carpet Connection, we are the hosts of Leverage Masters. How are you today, Andrea? I am fantastic as always. Yay! <laughs> and where are you today? Well, today I am home in Ohio, and I am ready to go and travel all over the West. I'm speaking at uh, Lead Up for Women in Denver on Thursday, and then I'm going to Habitude Warrior in San Diego. And then it looks like I'm doing an event in uh, Las Vegas, and then I have them going back to San Diego for Entrepreneur City Live, and then I'm heading up to LA for to speak at Unsilenced Voices and then ending it with a lead up for women in LA and then coming back home for a day or two and then going back to San Diego for Secret Knock for Women. So that's the, my next two weeks. <laughs> Holy cow, you are crazy, girl. And I thought I was doing well, good because I went to Tampa yesterday for the whole day. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, I I definitely am a, um, um, flying around a bit more, but uh, you have a dog. I don't have a dog, so I, I can true. travel easier. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So well, we I have got like a fantastic show lined up for everybody today. Let's tell them who our we guest do. is going to be. Well, I'm super excited to hear uh, the perk in your voice as well, Gina. You're such a fabulous co-host. So who we have today is a really great friend of mine who I just admire and adore, and she has made amazing strides in her business, helping people do some amazing things. Her name is Brenda Jones. She's the co-founder of The Belief Company. Now, Brenda mentors entrepreneurs by the way, and moms, uh, to ditch the stuff that holds them back, you know, allows them to discover and align with what they really want in their lives and to activate their inner superpowers so they can really rock it on the stage, kill it in business, and master the whole parenting thing at the same time while finding balance. And finally, create that kick-ass, you know, um, vision board life, you know, making that all come true while streamlining business and life to overcome the overwhelm of that work-life balance I mentioned. She's a mindset coach, a life strategist, a board-certified master trainer of NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, and other subconscious mind techniques. Uh, with those, she brings her unique style. She incorporates um, her degrees and experience in psychology, applied behavior analysis, and special education into everything she she does. Um, you know, <clears throat> my personal opinion is in watching her and observing her is she takes all of that skill set. So imagine if she's a person who can help people who have uh, been held back by maybe some challenges, um, you know, a child or a parent with a, a child with um, some disabilities or some hold back. And then she works with the same, uh, another person who's considered like normal or even doing very well in business and takes those same applications. They rock it even higher. So then all of a sudden, you know, she's, you know, creating, you know, the Steve Jobs in the world. That's what I think of Brenda. Um, she's also, like I said, the co-founder of The Belief Company and the creator of The Mom Me, that's M-O-M-M-E method, mommy method, while homeschooling her two young daughters and managing their crazy competitive dance schedules. And it is a crazy schedule. Her biggest dream as a little girl was to be a mommy, and she's been that now for several years. And she also retired in a 
career as an autism specialist and program um, director, and she just focused on being a mom, but um, a little tragedy in her mom group ignited her journey of self-discovery, and then when her daughter told her she didn't want to have kids because she wanted to have a career, at age seven, it hit home for her. So now her dream is to be the role model for her kids, the ones that they deserve, creating time and financial freedom to be there for them and herself and showing them that anything is possible while helping other moms rediscover who they are so they can do the same. Thank you, Brenda, for being on the show. Love you so much. Thanks for having me. Love you too. (laughs) So, Gina, this is my fabulous friend, Brenda. (laughs) Well, welcome, Brenda. Great to meet you. I feel like I may have met you in the past. So have we actually had a conversation prior to today? You know, it's possible. I have been meeting people for probably the last decade or so. So it is absolutely possible that we've crossed paths before, especially being in in this circle. Yeah, and I seem to remember a conversation because of your background in working with autistic kids. So tell us a little bit more about... And your voice is very familiar to mine as well. Yeah, maybe we have crossed paths before. So tell us a little bit more about what got you into the work that you do currently. You know, I would love to say that I absolutely planned and chose this, but this was kind of a combination of falling into something and then recognizing the opportunity and going for it. Um, I, my previous life, I was, like Andrea said, I was in autism. And when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I retired um, when I got put out on medical leave and um, kind of stayed happily retired. But when she turned a year old, the weekend of her birthday party, um, we had a small little group of uh, friends we'd all met when our babies were about two and three months old at Gymboree. And um, there was a plane crash. And my friend lost her husband um, the week after both of our children turned a year old. And when I went to the celebration of life, it was her husband and her father-in-law who had passed. I remember seeing picture after picture um, that they were showing in a slideshow. And when I came home, um, my husband was a photographer. We had thousands and thousands of pictures of our daughter. And I was in maybe 10. And out of those 10, I liked zero. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of me realizing I needed to somehow get back in the picture. I had been hiding because when I had her, um, I had skin, um, I developed cystic acne to the point that I just, I didn't like being in pictures. And so I kind of fell into network marketing. And that was what put me starting to network and go to networking events and stuff like that. And it was in that that I realized it was my own limiting beliefs and stuff from my past that was kind of holding me back, my fears, um, my negative self-talk, things like that. And somewhere in one of those meetings, I met a beautiful soul who invited me to an intro to NLP event, for lack of other things to call it. And I learned so much about the mind in those three days, things that I knew applied in autism um, because we talked about how the mind thinks in pictures and how we communicate with children with autism. Um, I found out that we work the same way, and that just kind of reconnected me into that. And from there, I just I dove in headfirst into learning everything I could about NLP so that I could be the best version of me for my kids at the time. And I was pregnant with baby number two. And then that quickly turned into not only do I want to help myself, I want to be able to help my kids. That means I need to learn how to be a practitioner. And as, as I was going through that, it quickly became apparent. And I want to be able to help the other moms who are feeling like I used to. And then here I am. What a great story. (laughs) Thank you so very much. So in (laughs) working, especially with mommies, what is the big piece of advice that you have as they get started working with you? What do they do first or where do they go first? Typically when I start working with the mom, one of the things we really look at is identifying what's important. Um, we have these things called values, and we kind of know what our surface values are, but we have a lot of deeper running values that were typically things that we decided to accept as true way back when we were little kids, and we don't necessarily know that they're there. Um, So we want to go and discover those because oftentimes if somebody comes to me and says, well, 
this is the goal that I have, but I keep doing this over here and I, and I keep self-sabotaging. The second I hear that word self-sabotage, that is my cue that there is a values conflict because when push comes to shove, the deep running subconscious stuff will always win over the surface stuff we say we want um, because we just can't focus and concentrate on that many things consciously at one time. And so we'll usually start with finding out what is important to them um, and kind of looking at also what is that ideal day look like? Because every, everyone has a different version of what being a mom looks like. I have friends that dreamed of being a stay-at-home mom, and they're perfectly in love with being a stay-at-home mom. For me, I dreamed of being a mom, and as soon as I had it, it wasn't everything I wanted. I wanted that and more, and then I felt guilty for wanting something more than achieving my dreams. That how dare I achieve this amazing dream that other people dream of and want more. So we really want to get down to what does being a happy mom look like? And starting there. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. Oh, I that. love um, that. Go yeah. ahead, Andrea. Not only, yeah, not only what they look like, but how their world looks like. So, um, you know, having known you, you know, we, and we've had this discussion. Um, so, and by the way, those of you who are listening who maybe aren't a mom and think, oh, the show's only going to be about moms, take the information and apply it to yourself. If you're a dad or let's say you um, don't have a, a human child, but you have, uh, a, a, you know, a people um, or pets and you're supposed people. I don't, I, I like, there are people that are humans. <laughs> Sometimes it appears like that. Um, but if you have pets, you know, you're still a pet owner, you have other responsibilities at, at the home, and those are sometimes your babies and, and your children. And then if you run a business, think about how you're applying the other people, your underlings or the people that support you, your support staff. And if you take these same adages and apply it to that, it'll change your world. So one of the things that I was referring to is that sometimes um, with moms is they have this image on how their house should look and how they should physically look in being a mom and, and same thing of somebody who's a business owner they have a, an idea of what that should look like and how that should how their office should be and the reality is, is sometimes uh, perfection is not um, actually the end goal <laughs> well we like to say that perfection is actually the lowest standard that you can actually shoot for because for two things it's either completely unattainable or even if it is it's not attainable consistently and we are about consistent excellence. So perfectionist is one of those labels that I used to identify with. I used to call myself a perfectionist. And looking back, I can see where that really hindered and created a lot of negative self-talk. Now I don't shoot for perfection because it is that low standard. I'm always striving for excellence, which is just me being a better version of me than I was yesterday or something being, you know, those five minutes better. I mean, you said something about how the house should look. For me, I'm not that person where the house needs to be completely in order. It's definitely lived in. Uh, we are not here often. We joke that the house is the place where our pillows are and our stuff lives because we're constantly out of the house with that competitive dance schedule. And it, I think, really comes down to knowing what's important to you. I have a friend that needs to have the vacuum lines in her carpet or she's not satisfied. For her, that's mm -hmm. a big thing. For me can't think of the last time I saw that. Not even sure if my carpet was, was capable of that any longer. It needs to be replaced. Um, <laughs> and and the same thing in business. Some people think business needs to be all tied up and everything needs to be perfect. And it's not like that business is messy. And I think the biggest thing is, um, like when we teach goal setting, yes, have your goals, know what your outcomes are, but let go of the form. Let go of how you think it should look or what path you think you should take to get there because so often universe has a much better path for us. And if we're concentrating on the one that we chose, we miss the beautiful path that we were supposed to be on. That's a great point. Really great point. I know for me, I don't have human children. I have puppy children. I have a, my little Popeye <laughs> who goes everywhere with me. And for me, God, going back 15 to 18 years ago, when I first started learning about values, I really wasn't in touch with what my core values were. One of the things I learned from one of my mentors way back then was that 
by identifying my top values, those were things that had to be in my life. And the absence of them could actually make me physically sick. Likewise, the things that were my lowest possible values, if I have too many of those in my life and not have enough of the things I really value in my life, that too could make me sick. And I I was in a hospital bed or wheelchair for almost 10 years. During that time, I had $9.9 million worth of medical bills. And in hindsight, looking back after I learned this big lesson, I realized that during those 10 years, my goodness, my highest value is that of being appreciated. Don't tell me you love me. Tell me you appreciate me. And more importantly, show me you appreciate me. And that was not happening very often in those 10 years. So for me, it got to the point where I literally asked my team to each tell me three to five times a day how much they appreciated me and why. And, oh, my gosh, it got me so jazzed to go and do more and give more and serve more. And the company just got that much more successful as I filled that core value for me. It was a really big deal. So what we're talking about doesn't just apply to moms. It applies to those of us who don't have our own human children as well, whether we're men, women, or some something else for that matter, um, it's a really, it, it it is the most important thing I have learned in my journey over the last 20-some years. And goals, Absolutely. I totally agree with what you said about goals. Goals are the destination. And, and too often, people think that when you're looking at goals, you've got to have all the little parts to them as well. You know, I can think of so many examples of goals that I set, that I accomplished, and never in a million years would have I expected to accomplish them in the way that they came about. They came about from something totally different. It's setting that intention and the vision for what you want it to look like that's the important part. It's not how you get there that's the most important thing, right? Absolutely. And, you know, getting there is the journey and that's the fun part. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the things, you know, it's learning to appreciate the journey. And, you know, sometimes people come up against an obstacle and they look at that as being a reason why they can't, they can't have something or they can't do it because, well, I meant to do it this way and I ran into this obstacle. So that must mean that, you know, it's not meant to be. And I tell them, stop it, you know, Celebrate the obstacle because when you hit the obstacle, at least you know you're moving. People that aren't hitting obstacles aren't really moving towards anything. They're just kind of bouncing around. And, you know, I love that it is appreciating the journey. I have so many what I call course corrections. I have learned to find the good in every obstacle because every obstacle is just a learning point. And it is a course correction that's saying, hey, you were kind of going the wrong way. Go this way. You know, think about when it's a, a flight, you know, we just talked about Andrea flying all over the place. You know, every one of those flights gets off course during that flight, and the pilot doesn't just go, oh, well, a wind took us this way. I guess we're going to see where, where we're, where we're going to land. He course corrects, and we do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I love how you were saying about the, the values, that if you aren't being true to your top values, that you can end up sick and where you ended up. And I love that you were able to actually stand up and say, hey, this is something I need, so please do this for me. And you were very clear about what it was because one of the things in neurolinguistic programming, the words people use are everything. And so often really you, hear, you hear someone say, well, you know, he never says he loves me, or what I show her all the time. But listen to the two word differences. They don't necessarily recognize it if it's not in the form. So saying I love you wasn't the same for you as showing appreciation. Whereas some people Absolutely. are like, oh, it's the same thing. It's not. It's not the same thing to the person on the receiving end. So kudos to you. And the feeling so of the two are totally different, aren't they? For some people, yes, and for some people, no. 
it's very mm. interesting. And so that's one of the things that when I'm, you know, talking with a new client or a student, we really take care to listen to their words and use their words back with them. And in business, if you're working with a customer, that's one of the keys to building rapport and getting that know you, like you, trust you right off the bat. When you speak to somebody in the way that they can hear you, because they tend to either be very visual, very auditory, or very kinesthetic, and they will use words like, I see what you mean, or that really resonates, or I feel you. If you can start listening to those words that they're using and use those types of words back to them, or something like appreciate, if that's one of their key words, they'll say it a lot, or they'll lean on it, they'll emphasize it when they're talking. If you pay attention to what those words are and you use them back, all of a sudden, you're like their new best friend because you're speaking in a way they can hear. And it's one of the oh, you know, that's, secret ways of being, you know, persuasive and engaging with somebody. And that lesson is so important, not just in working with prospects and customers, but working with your team members, working with your significant mm-hmm. others. Literally any relationship you have, that is an important lesson to learn. And if you just tune in and pay attention more, it's really not a hard one to apply at all. It just, you have to listen. You can't just keep talking. I think it's, (laughs) and it's both. It's not just the listening, but it's knowing how to listen. Because everybody says Mm -hmm. listen, 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 but they don't tell you specifically what they mean by, well, listen. Listen to what? Okay, I listen. But if you're not listening with a purpose of connecting with that person's keywords, that person's values, that will all come out in a conversation. They'll tell you what's important to them. They won't realize they told you that. But if you know how to listen for the right things, that will come across. And then you can use that with them in order to connect with them, in order to help them move forward. And that's you know, one of the keys to what I do if I'm working with a client, like in a breakthrough session, the first hour and a half is me only asking 10 questions, but listening for the structure. Therapists listen for the story and they want to figure out, you know, well, who caused the problem? And they're listening for all the pieces and the content of the story. In NLP, we listen for the structure of the story because it's the overarching structure that tells us what tools we have that can go and just pop that lock of a problem. Because it's not about finding the combination on the lock. It's about knowing how to bypass the lock completely by knowing what tool to grab. And so we're teaching. Oh, man, I love that. So speaking of um, tools to grab, um, for people who have, first of all, never heard of neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, or who have heard about it and have a preconceived notion that maybe that a negative about it, because some people mm-hmm. have, um, you know, some people actually can use that gift as, as a negative. So let's um, um, miss, you know, uh, restore any um, integrity, you know, the integrity that the word deserves and, uh, you know, disband or ban, what's the word? Ban any myths or bust, bust the myths. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so if you would address that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's our now episode of uh, Mythbusters. <laughs> you know, NLP was basically a study of excellence. They went out and found the people who were the most excellent in any field did a procedure called modeling, which is not just looking at the behavior. So many people think, oh, if I do what that person does, I'll get what they get. And it doesn't, and then they, it doesn't work that way. And they go, I don't understand what happened. I did what they did. It's because you need to start looking deeper. So NLP went and looked at the values, the identities, the beliefs of the people who were excellent in addition to the behaviors. So all of NLP came off of just the study and modeling of excellence. However, as with any field, You have the good guys and you have the not-so-good guys. Um, In any field, you'll find people who are in there for the win-win, and you'll find people who are more in it for the win-it themselves. And when I first went into NLP, I remember hearing about the icky NLP, the dark side of NLP, all of those things. Um, And I was really puzzled by it because it was not something I had ever accomplished or come across um, in my years of NLP. And it was, you know, probably about, three or four years into my journey with NLP that I was introduced to what that was. And I came across people who used 
these skills, the ability to communicate, the ability to communicate directly with somebody's subconscious mind for a less than win for me. And it feels really gross. And um, I would like to say that people don't do that. But like I said, in any industry, there's always that person that isn't necessarily working from integrity. I was very lucky that the group that I first fell into, integrity is a top value. And integrity is one of my top values. And integrity is the top value of anyone that, you know, comes through our classes or comes to me as a client. Otherwise, we're already energetically not a match. Um, and we will, the, the company that I came out of and, and my company as well, if we find that there are people there for less than integrous reasons, we will return their money, refund that, and say, there's other classes that are out there for you, um, and this is not it. And it's just being aware of that. Um, and I like to say that because there are people who are not necessarily in it for the win-win, all the more so to learn NLP, to know what it is, so that you know when somebody is using it. Fantastic. And when they're using it on purpose and, for a win-lose. Yes, that's that's the other piece of that. Thank you for that. And then, you know, when you're working with people, you know, as far as, um, you know, you use other tools like hypnosis and so forth, if you'll address those for the people who have not had the opportunity to experience that. You know, it's funny that you bring up hypnosis um, because everybody's experienced it. They may not have experienced what they believe that word means, but if you have ever read a book and gotten lost in the story, if you're able to go watch a movie like Avatar or something completely, you know, non-reality based and, you know, Star Wars, all of these things, and not get up and storm out of theater going, that's not real, that's all hypnosis. All hypnosis simply is, or, and if you've ever listened to your parent and just done what they said without questioning, uh, or your boss or your teacher, also hypnosis. Hypnosis is just whenever we lift something called the critical faculty. There's this barrier between your conscious and your subconscious mind that decides whether to either just readily accept information as true or to think about it first before deciding to accept it or reject it. Whenever we remove that boundary, that is hypnosis. So whenever you are driving down the road and all of a sudden you miss your exit or you get somewhere and you don't know how you got there, all of those are states of hypnosis. It's a certain brainwave state. Um, meditation, prayer, all of those access the same brainwave state. Hypnosis is just using that state to give suggestions directly to the subconscious mind without having to deal with that critical faculty. Thinking about, like, if you go to the palace in England, there's those London guards that stand outside. Your critical faculty is the same thing. It's there to protect you against things just automatically becoming part of your subconscious and being accepted. I said earlier about those values. Before we're about seven or eight years old, we don't have that London guard. And everything that's told to us instantly goes in and becomes accepted as true until we're about seven or eight years old. And then we can start deciding, yes, I want to believe that or no, I don't. So that's why when we uncover values, we'll find out that there's so many things that were installed around, you know, age four, age five, that until we really dig for them, we didn't know we're running. And that's why we've been self-sabotaging this whole time because we didn't know this, this little app was running in the background. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> can you give us, uh, uh, tell us a story of, you know, obviously um, protecting whoever's there, maybe even putting some things together, of an experience of how you saw somebody come through things and change um, their life around. And by the way, those of you who are listening, when we say change, change doesn't have to be an icky ooh or a negative. Um, change can be very simple as um uh, a tweak in your belief or your mindset. And uh, in fact, that's what I, I titled the, the name of the show today that, you know, you can <clears throat> change your, uh, leverage your future and manifest your dreams with a simple tweak of belief and mindset. And that's what um, the belief co company does is, um, you know, and Brenda's team, uh, you know, they do that for people. So if you could get, take us through a story of, of how that can work and how simple that really could be. You know, some people think that change needs to be hard because they think about that whole therapy model where you have to go talk to a therapist, you know, an hour a week for weeks and years on end 
And what I love about what we do is change is simple, change is quick, change is effortless, and it's just knowing the right tool to pull. Things as simple as, you know, let's see, there's so many things to pull from. Um, I had a friend of mine, and he knows what I do, and he needed to, you know, drum up more business. He knew he needed to be doing more cold outreach that there's a, you know, we definitely want to do our warm market outreach, but at some point we need new people into that warm market. And that requires, you know, going out to doing some cold outreach. And he just needed to send emails. And he gave me a call and we were just kind of laughing about it. And I did one simple technique and he had a hundred emails out in the next three days and a lot of revenue in from those emails. We, what I love about NLP is, it can be a simple belief shift and a belief can be changed in a matter of six, uh, you know, not six, but six questions that I ask. We have this really cool belief buster tool. Um, And sometimes it's even the first two questions of that where I don't even need an answer. They just ponder it. Yet that belief shifts at the subconscious level and it unlocks all of the things below it. Our minds work. We, we are a collection of layers and We want to see results, and that's the lowest layer that we can really work on. We're looking for those results, and it's our behaviors that get us those results. But deeper into the subconscious, above that, you have your potentials and your beliefs, and a single belief can be locking up your potential to learn new things, which locks up your behaviors, which locks up those results. So going into the more subconscious layers of beliefs and values and identities I have quick little tools where you can shift any one of those and everything unlocks below it. So shifting one belief changes all the potentials, the behaviors, and therefore the results. Um, I have had my daughter, who's now 11, um, she's grown up in this. She was four and a half when I first started going into NLP, about four, four and a half. And she was a competitive dancer. And that was a big reason why I wanted to learn this is once you learn how the subconscious mind works, I was looking at what teachers were saying to her and realizing that she doesn't have a critical faculty. They're creating limiting beliefs that may not matter right now, but are going to lock her up at 25 or 30. And then she's going to have to end up in my client's chair. And I wanted to be able to undo that. So by her watching how I worked with her, she'll be backstage and she's been doing this and she's about eight or nine years old. Oh, mommy, so-and-so was really, really nervous. Um, They do solos. So-and-so was really, really nervous. So I just did this really quick thing with them. And I did that thing you did with me and they weren't nervous anymore. They were excited. And that child then goes out and just kills their solo on stage. And so even at Mm -hmm. nine years old, she's able to just take a word like nervous because people will go, oh, I'm really nervous or I'm anxious. And all you have to do is go, where do you feel that in your body? And it's typically those butterflies, right? They have felt those butterflies and labeled it nervousness. Well, isn't it funny that those same butterflies, other people label excitement because excitement and nervousness live in the same place. It's just a matter of the word you apply. So when you feel those butterflies and you go, ooh, those butterflies, that just means I'm excited and I must be excited because I'm about to do something big and new. And all of a sudden, all of that anxiousness, that nervousness, all of those things that you did think were icky are now something new. And all it is is a word change. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then um, so bigger things that I know that you can do. Um, so uh, those of you who are listening that don't know, I, I'm also trained in, in hypnosis and so forth and have um, had the pleasure of, of going through some training that Brenda has been through. But Brenda went on and went further on with um, the training and to become a, a master trainer herself. And, you know, for like myself, I used to be allergic to cherries and break out in hives and I no longer that no longer happens. And my daughter used to be allergic to, uh, I think it was 130 things. And um, now she's allergic to one thing. And the only thing that I did was hypnosis. And my husband, who used to not be able to watch TV with blood, and he's a fireman, so imagine how that could be very disruptive in his life, um, can now be around blood. And he was like, wow, that woo-woo thing you did worked. Oh, I love that we were sitting at dinner and my friend, we were at a Mexican restaurant and she goes, I don't know why I ordered guacamole. I'm allergic to avocado. I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, well, it's not like, you know, anaphylactic allergic. My mouth just gets all fuzzy. And I'm like, 
well, would you like to eat guacamole and not have a fuzzy tongue? Because that's weird. And so just sitting there, we had, you know, 15 kids with us and 15 moms, and they were crazy loud. And just sitting across the table from her, I did a really quick technique, um, not hypnosis in the way of like downtime trance that people think of, but just a really quick waking hypnosis technique. And she was eating avocado. And the only reason she trusted me there is I had done the same thing with her daughter earlier the week um, with pineapple. And her daughter's been eating pineapple like it's going out of style ever since, which is kind of funny. (laughs) <laughs> and and that also reminds me, oh, by the way, I'm going to ask another question, Gina, and then I want you to jump back in. I don't, I, I know you have lots of really great ideas and questions as well. And um, the other, uh, to go along with that is, you know, uh, so that simple thing, it's, so it's a belief that we have. So, um, you know, that we may have, and like what you were saying, that there's a difference between going in and having a full hypnosis session or something like that, that you want to change something like to stop smoking or, um, or, or in the case where I remember um, ever since this is, this happened to me, I used to ridiculously love Oreo cookies. And I remember in one of our classes, someone didn't want to want them anymore. And I tried not to listen. Same thing with McDonald's French fries. And I tried not to, I, I like didn't want to hear it because I didn't want to, I wanted still like those things so the funny thing is is I still like them but I don't love them like I used to so now when I eat them I don't always finish my fries and we've had a a a brand new package of Oreo cookies at my house for probably eight weeks and um, I've the other day I went to open them and I'm like yeah I really don't want one and I never opened the bag it's still sitting there (laughs) so I still like them I just don't desire them like I used to. So it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and, and that's what I love is we don't have to take things because we can take something from liking it to absolutely disliking it. Um, and that's a really fun technique to do. Um, but you can also just decrease something a little or increase something a little. We, if people are old enough to remember the old TVs where you had all the adjuster knobs, we can do that with our motivation. We can do that with our liking or disliking of things. We can turn it up. We can turn it down. Um, our desire for uh, goals, that's one of the, the key pieces of goal setting. Um, there's a couple things in there that we do with NLP that make goals so that they're more set it and forget it because we can have those little shifts. Um, and I like what you were saying earlier that change doesn't have to be big major things. It can be simply not liking French fries as much. Therefore, I'm not eating them as much. And that's a big help on a diet. Um, I have <laughs> jumped back on the keto wagon. Um, and so those types of things, taking that desire down, doesn't mean I don't like it. I could still, and that's the thing, hypnosis, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Nobody can make you anything. Um, and that is the legal definition um, of hypnosis is that All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. I can merely guide you through, and you can decide whether to accept or reject the suggestions that I'm giving you, and I'm only giving you the suggestions that you asked for me to give. Um, If you go to a stage show, you'll see that sometimes people don't do the thing that the person asked. It's not that they weren't necessarily hypnotized. It's that their subconscious said, no, we're not going to do that thing. That violates a belief system or a value system of mine. It's one of the reasons I don't ever get up on the galley. I have values and beliefs in place that I don't make the best subject on a stage hypnosis. However, I do hypnosis with myself all of the time, and I have sessions um, with other hypnotists all the time. I just am not a good stage hypnotist person, if that makes sense. Well, you know, and and the the fun thing about that is, is, if you chose to want to be a really good stage hypnotist, mm-hmm. she has all the skill sets and ability to to decide to do that herself. And that's one of the really cool things about the having these tools is like sometimes I'll know, like in hearing you say that I'm like, oh, well, if you wanted to be, you could do that in probably 10 minutes and change that. And at the same time, well, have. that's not her thing. Yeah. And, well, and, and if I you have, had to, so- you would. My, you know, it's funny, you talked about, you know, I went further in the training than you did. My trainer, um, our trainer's training final day, because he loves uh, stage hypnosis, we had to do a stage show with our classmates, Mm. which meant you had to be the stage hypnotist and you had to be a subject. And so, yes, I did play along 
And I would like to say that I played along and I know it's hypnosis. So it was doing all the things because, well, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And if I did it, I was taking suggestions. Because anytime you accept somebody's suggestion, that is a level of hypnosis. And so, yes, I can do it whenever I want. And I choose to not. Yeah. And I I love that because we have uh, so many choices and so many you know, ways to be able to do things. In fact, I, I noticed that I forget that I have my own tools. Like, like the other day I said something, oh, my stomach really hurts. And my husband <laughs> refers to everything I do as woo-woo. And he's like, well, do your woo-woo on it. And I'm like, oh, I forget I can do that. And then, and then at the same time, it dawned on me, maybe what I really wanted was attention from him. <laughs> so well, instead of fixing it myself, I wanted him to nurture me, you know. Well, and that's where that behavior, you know, the ABA part of me comes in is I think that's the piece that a lot of people, you know, and I understand why NLP for the most part basically poo-poo's behavior analysis, except, and and I had a belief that they couldn't work together until we were on this last marketer's cruise and um, I met another person who was a master uh, NLP practitioner and trainer, and he's also out of the behavioral psych realm. And so we were talking, he goes, no, they do play if you know how to use them. And so ever since then, all the more so I have brought applied behavioral analysis into what we're doing because, yes, it is possible that you had that stomachache because you know that when you're not feeling good, that is a good time that your husband will attend and respond. So you've created, you have that belief system that's now created the not feeling well because of the reinforcement system that has been put in place. Very, very possible. And, and, and I agree that that's actually, that's probably likely for that particular scenario. And at the same time, it could have been something that I actually ate that didn't agree or move, but mm-hmm. you're, but because we have that ability to figure out what it is and there's no right or wrong to it because we <laughs> all want um, desire, you know, to be touched, to be loved, to be paid attention to, depending on what our love languages are. Um, like Gina saying she needed the, um, to hear the verbal, uh, confirmation of of who she is mm-hmm. and, and how she presents in the world that's important to her and so being able to share with people how Gina shows up and has you know led the yeah. show for so many years and so many um, amazing episodes is um, is not only important to her but it's important to the show and so that's exciting to be able to share that kind of information when you start doing what you suggested about how you have in the listening of other people and then how you talk and present that later on. Absolutely. So, and so then what haven't we covered that, that you want to share? Oh, to finish your thought and then go with that next point. And then setting up that reinforcement system, knowing what it is, the behaviors that you need, the behaviors that you do, and then celebrating those wins, having that reinforcement system. I think so many times we set these big lofty expectations and when we don't reach it, Um, we then get that negative self-talk instead of celebrating each little win. You know, Gina was talking at the very beginning about breaking those goals down and not necessarily needing to know the whole path. And yes, celebrating every tiny piece because some days just getting up in the morning is worth celebrating. In fact, I think every day just getting up in the morning is worth celebrating because not everybody got to do that this morning. And starting there and then celebrating that, you know, for me, a good mom day sometimes means the kids are still alive and I've had a shower. Mm -hmm. And I'll celebrate that because, you know what, sometimes that's, that's my win. But finding at the end of the day, finding what were my wins today? You know, the laundry's not done, but one load got done. That's a win. I'm one load closer to being, you know, that it's done. Not that laundry is ever done. It's eternal. But finding the small wins that you can appreciate and be grateful for. Because that's where momentum comes from. That's where motivation stems from. Very good. And then, um, and, and that, 
that, and that's I, I do love that, and I do appreciate that because I actually was joking when you talked about that. As an entre- busy entrepreneur, um, I had actually commented to someone, "I need to get off the phone um, before my radio show because if that doesn't happen, I, I still wouldn't have been in the shower today." And here it is, a quarter till one, and that hasn't happened. But I have been on the phone while I was I was in bed when I got a call um, before eight o'clock today, and then I had a regular call at eight, and so. I I got that phone call and chose to take it when I would have normal sh- normally showered, and then I prefer to shower at my office anyways. And yeah, that didn't happen because I'm constantly on the phone. So <laughs> the fact that I um, will have one by the end of the day often is a win. I'll be like, woohoo, I got one in between the phone call and the next. <laughs> Cause I, and I know on the road, the second that I know that alarm, uh, you know, goes, usually I wake up before the alarm. So that's actually something that, you know, we can teach ourselves and you can address mm-hmm. that more. But, you know, if I, I have to get up and be in the shower and get ready because when I'm at an event, I'm running all day long, you know, doing publicity and taking pictures mm-hmm. and speaking or whatever else, you know, maybe I'm managing the event or doing sponsorship. We're going, going, going. Same thing for you guys for dance. Um, for those of you mm-hmm. who have never got the opportunity, to see her Facebook page, um, this uh, woman, Brenda, our, our lovely guest, she puts her daughters in full face makeup um, so that they can, you know, their faces can be seen from the audience, you know, and for the judges uh, for stage while they're sleeping. <laughs> That's called leveraging so, my own time and my own sanity. <laughs> Well, yeah, because then they're not fighting with her because they just lay there. More so, they get that extra 30 minutes of sleep, which may make it not a nightmare day when they are still awake at 11 p.m. waiting for awards. Right. Because there are often times that we have 6 a.m. call time, and we're not done with the day until 10 or 11 p.m. And they're dancing, you know, seven times within there. Yeah. And plus right. So and imagine, imagine doing aerobics all day long and then doing all of this and, <laughs> you know, and you're seven. Um, but as an adult, you, we all have that where we just run and run and run. We have things in our business. Mm-hmm. We have things with our families. Our dog has to go to the vet or our dog needs to go out more than once. And then our car needs attended to. And then, you know, it's 1130 at night and we're like, oh, I forgot to have dinner. I'm hungry, you know. Um, that those are things that you address for people as well as how do you, you know, how they are able to not only see the wins, but to um, take pleasure from the wins. Absolutely. It's, it's seeing all the wins and you had mentioned at the very beginning and I want to make sure that I talk about this because yes, I address the work life balance because that's what people hear and that's what people think that they're supposed to have. And Balance, for lack of a better word, for me is BS. And that's because when I hear the word balance, I picture those scales needing to be equal. Mm. And for me, when I hear balance, that means equal time and energy in every area of life. And life just isn't like that. You know, both of my kids homeschool. They're competitive dancers. I run my business, plus I co-run another business. You know, plus I still have a household. And you know, a husband and all of these things. And if I tried to give everybody equal energy all of the time, I constantly felt like a failure. There are times where I need to concentrate on getting my house together. There are times when I need to concentrate on business things. There are times when I need to concentrate on school activities. And there are times when I need to concentrate on dance. There are times where I need to concentrate on me. And it's all about, for me, and you know, I'm a musical person. I'm, I'm highly auditory. I grew up doing musical theater, um, which is, I think, how my kids ended up in dance. I did dance and voice and theater and all of that. For me, it's about harmony. Because there are times where the brass are playing and the woodwinds are resting. There are times where the woodwinds are playing and the brass are resting. There are times where everybody's playing melody and some people are on harmony. And that's what makes the music. It's having all of the different pieces, sometimes on, sometimes off, sometimes loud, sometimes soft, sometimes together, sometimes apart. And I love the quote that the music is actually made up of the rest between the notes. And so Mm. for me, it's been creating my life in that same way of realizing that there's some days where it's going to be an all homeschool day. And there's some days where it's going to be an all dance day. There's some days like today where 
from the time my alarm gets off, I'm going to be on this call. I have another call right after this. I have another call right after that. Then I'm meeting up with one of my business partners. Then we're running up to pick the other one up at the airport. And then we have tap class tonight. And that's how the day is going to be. And acknowledging that. So you hopefully know you already have your may shower not in. <laughs> No, I have like a 10-minute period where I'm going to go jump in that. Um, actually, one oh, of the so calls that I'm on, I, I ha- it's, it's a call where I listen. It's from one of my coaches, and he doesn't know oh. this, but if he ever listens to the show, he'll know this now. I typically listen to that coaching call from the shower. It's fine. Um, um, just so you know, you're not the only person in the world who does that. I have a short <laughs> webinar I need to join on where I can have my camera off. And, um, and I also shower during that because my sound and my, and because there was like about 15 minutes that they're talking and I can hear everything they say and be paying full attention. Yep. And because I have hypnotized myself that, and, and think about this, I take a shower where I don't think about grabbing the shampoo or how much, it just happens. It's like so mm-hmm. fast. And I'm done. That's all the autopilot stuff. I have had more ideas come out of the shower. And one of my strategic partners, um, Andrew Carlson, um, he and I acknowledge that we are comfortable taking calls in the shower. So we will call or text each other while in the shower. I'll be like, I just had this idea. And we'll jump on a call. And we're both in the shower. And we're like, whatever. (laughs) Whereas my business partner, Greg, thinks we are crazy. He's like, no, you're supposed to enjoy the shower. But that's the value system. For me, a shower. Well, yeah, it's. It's just yeah. the quick getting clean thing. And if ideas come up, I need to address them when they come up. And sometimes that <laughs> means doing a phone call while showering. It's fine. Yeah. And now I love that. Oh, now you guys are too then... funny. I couldn't get <laughs> calls from the shower. I just could not do that. You should try it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I mean, if I, I really do need to get um, a, a cover for my iPhone so I actually can have it in the shower because I often pick it up and text somebody or I'm on it so it's sitting like right there. <laughs> like it could so easily get wet and I don't have a get waterproof, those waterproof cover on covers it. for the pool, the touch sensitive Oh, that's ones. true. Like 10 bucks on I Amazon. do have one of those. I do have one of those. And then if I um, put it on, I can put it on um, speakerphone and then yeah. I, I, the people I do that with, though, have, I tell them, now like the webinar, they don't know because it, we don't have to have our camera on or our sound, but all my, I have some clients that, and really good friends and business partners who are totally okay with that too. And I have cleared it with them that I'm going to do that. And they totally don't care. They're like, just as long as I get what I need from you, if that's what needs to happen, then it's fine. I mean, I do many a call brushing my teeth at the same time so there you go (laughs) I have one coach that does his high-end VIP coaching days from his hot tub and uh, my other coach she does her Q&A sessions from her hot tub she specifically called them hot tub Q&A because she was so busy and um, this is somebody that uh, Andrea I know that you know Gina I don't know if you know Molly Mahoney the prepared performer but she actually does her Q&As from her hot tub because she realized She has this beautiful pool. They moved to this house for this gorgeous pool and hot tub, but she was so busy in her business and doing all the Facebook lives because that's what she coaches, that she wasn't using her hot tub. So now her Q&A, her live Q&A is done from her hot tub because she has made it a point. She knows I'll always do my Q&A every week. So if I do it from the hot tub, then I know I get in the hot tub every week. So Mm -hmm. it's about finding those things in life. You know, one of my calls, I have a tripod set up in my car just so they can see me that I'm on camera when I'm driving. I obviously I'm not typing or responding and she'll unmute me if I need to talk, but I do one of my coaching calls that way with my coach. And I think that's how I've been able to leverage my time is finding those things that will work and those things that can overlap because so many people think, you know, especially my hypnosis students or my, you know, NLP students, well, I need to have an office in order to do this. Guys, I don't have an office. No. I've done now, a I did a hypnosis on, session. Yeah. I did a breakthrough session, which is one of our huge, you know, high end VIP deep dive, you know, all the way down to the core of negative emotions and limiting beliefs days at a Panera bread. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. I do yep. hypnosis. Oh, I see a lot of my hypnosis clients in the courtyard in the um, back part of the outdoor food court by the, my daughter's dance studio. I do a lot of them online. But it's that belief that I need to have an office. Oh, I need to have a business card. I need to be in a suit and tie. 
yeah, I don't work that way. Had my trainer been in a suit and tie the first time I went to see him speak, I probably never would have come back because that's not what I was looking for. Meanwhile, other people, that is their image. And it's finding those, and yeah. it's, that's where knowing your values is important. Yeah, and that's if it works for them, then fabulous. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fabulous. If yeah, you're I, wanting I, me for those... tie and high heels, I'm not the trainer for you, and I am totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. You want to come in yoga pants and tennis shoes? That. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and there are times that I've seen you do that because you chose to do that. It was for a different event or a different situation. I know my audience. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and then um, just uh, so people are aware, um, so summer's over with. Um, we closed the pool. Um, so October 1st was my last day in the pool. Now, I have my grandchildren with me a lot in the pool now, so I don't do my calls um, from the pool as often because I'm with them. But on days that they're not with me, um, and more so last year, this year I actually actually did um, did actually when I was in the pool choose to be by myself or on a personal phone call but last year um, I was in the pool way more hours I had more hours to be in the pool and I did all of my calls so I spent about two to three hours in the pool um, and it's kind of funny I mean so I I I have my phone at the edge and I have my headset on and I walk around the pool and do whatever and do water exercises or or sometimes just stand there um, beside the edge of the pool and sometimes type on my laptop while I'm in the pool so yeah I might not be swimming Mm -hmm. or jumping or diving but I'm in the pool and I'm in the sun and that's what makes me happy and so you know creating your life you know when I talked about you know Brenda what they do in their company is um, you know if you have the belief that that's what your life is allowed to look like you really can manifest whatever life that you want to and and a lot of times it's um, let's say you have everything and um and let's say your life is like i describe um i describe that my life is really going well it's like skipping with a basket full of kittens oh, while singing <laughs> i've added that um and and so if that's what my pure happiness is is and if i get off of that if you're listening and you find that you're off of your you know um happiness track you know what what beliefs have you had in the past that have allowed that to set up and sometimes just acknowledging them can take you off of them and sometimes we need someone else's intervention and then that's where you know companies like you know Brenda's and so forth uh, can help you uh, get over that so that it's not holding you back because you don't have to choose to keep it you can choose to let that go well, at some point, oh, you we are, to believe whatever belief is in your way. So you may as well choose to believe something different now. I just Before realized we run what out time of it time, is. Where can everyone yep. find Brenda? So you can find us, um, our website. We just went through a rebrand, so it's still being rebuilt, but there's a lot of stuff there at uh, www.beliefco.com. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, both of those are at The Belief Co. And if you go to our Facebook page, so um, fb.com slash The Belief Co., um, if you comment the word magic on any of our original posts, you will activate our little belief bot, and she's got some free gifts for you. And because we are just getting ready to launch our new um, group coaching and online library, if you head to our webpage, um, I believe under the training section, there is a button for um, our new group program, which is called Elevate. Because we were not um, ready to get everything out to um, our audience in the way we wanted on October 1st, there's a button right now that takes you to several fun freebies. So you can start getting some of that Elevate content for free if you head over there. Um, So that's uh, www.beliefco.com. And yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. a bunch of fun new courses uh, for personal development and for certification for people who are ready to take that next level. Fabulous. Do you know Lorenzo Hickey? I do. I've heard the name, <laughs> but not familiar. Lorenzo is getting ready to launch something called the Elevate Marketplace, which is oh, nice. a marketplace for entrepreneurs who really want to build relationships with other entrepreneurs and who believe in relationship marketing. We should get them hooked up and get them connected with Andrea. That sounds like a great idea. In fact, I owe him a phone call. I haven't talked to him for a while, so I I can take the lead on that. 
Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Brenda. Any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? The next time you have that belief that comes up that gets in your way, just ask yourself, when did you decide that? And then turn around and decide whether that's not even yours and what can you decide to believe instead. You have the ultimate power to have the life beyond your wildest dreams. What a great thing to remember, everyone. Well, thank you so much for setting this up, Andrea. Thank you, Brenda, for being here. Andrea and I will be back same time, same place next week with another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a fabulous week, everybody. Thank you so much. Appreciate you both. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Thank you.